Welcome to Financially Ever After, where award-winning and nationally recognized financial expert Stacy Francis will bring you savvy tips and words of wisdom on how to secure your financial future before, during, and after divorce. For 30 minutes every other week, you'll hear personal stories from women who have either faced or are currently facing this transition. In addition, you'll also soak up knowledge and inspiration from the industry's top legal, financial, residential, and mental health professionals. And now here's our host, Stacy Francis. Thank you, Steve. We're excited to be here today. I have two very accomplished matrimonial attorneys in front of me, and they are going to be giving us a wealth of information, everything that women need to think about, know about, and uh, get savvy about, both thinking about divorce going through, uh, as well as even after. And these are two people that have been in the field for many years. Um, The first that I would love to tell you all about is Linda Decorado. She is a founding member and senior managing partner of Decorado, Cohen, Sheehan, and Frederico. She heads the firm's matrimonial and family law practice and received the 2014 designation as a New York super lawyer by the Super Lawyer Magazine. She's strategic, incisive, reassuring, and a force when it comes to legal conflicts that arise. She comes with 20 years of experience defending claims, and she also has a background in catastrophic injury litigation and has even more experience in the medical field um, and practiced as a registered nurse for more than 10 years. So I think it's really fantastic. You come with a a real caring nature and uh, to a process that you know takes its toll. Um, But let me also introduce uh, your colleague, uh, Brian Goldstein. He has extensive experience in the matrimonial and family law area. Um, also in personal injury and medical malpractice. He represents clients in divorce and is a skilled and constructive negotiator, which is, as we all know, negotiation really counts and is very important. Uh, He helps clients by settling issues, bringing them to agreement, also being a powerful advocate when necessary. He's a member of the New York State Bar Association as well as the New York City Bar Association. He, they practice both in New York as well as in our friendly, our friendly state next door, New Jersey. So it's just a pleasure to have you here. So thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you for having us. Great, yes. great. So I would love to hear from you. Um, you know, each of you, what brought you to this? You each have some interesting backgrounds, and usually the someone comes to the matrimonial field not necessarily because um, they fall into it or if they do fall into it there's something that draws you to stay here because it's a people it's a people field uh, very much so than maybe other areas of law well if I can speak very personally one of the things that made me very interested in this area was my own divorce okay and I remember the trauma of going through this divorce and the outcome and looking back and saying, how did I ever live in that situation? So it changed my life for the positive. And that's what I'm very interested in helping people with. There is a rainbow Mm -hmm. after divorce. You don't see it as it's happening, 
but there is a bright future ahead. That's unbelievable. So it, you went through this process. Absolutely. And then did you go back to get your law degree? What what made you decide that I'm going to I'm going to help other people? I was actually in the midst of getting my law degree when this happened. And I remember sitting before a matrimonial attorney Mm -hmm. who was a local attorney for me and said, Linda, someday you're going to look back at this and realize it was the best thing that ever happened to you. And I will never forget those words. And I think, you know, for many people go into marriage and relationships for the wrong reason Mm -hmm. and they often have difficulty finding their way out and that's part of what we do so well right if people come to us to consult they're usually full of fear full of anxiety where do i go from here how am i going to survive Mm -hmm. i think that's that's the main issue for people will i survive beyond this and we're there to make sure they do and they do well And Brian, what brought you to this? I actually did fall into this. When I graduated law school, I got a job um, at a law firm where there were two partners, one of whom practiced matrimonial law. And I was much more drawn to that area, um, helping people through such a difficult time and seeing them come out the other end stronger, uh, more self-sufficient and ready to move on with their lives in such a positive way gave me so much hope and gave me so much, it was just such a rewarding experience Mm -hmm. to see these people who um, come to see you and they just don't think that their lives will ever be the same. And whether it's six months later, a year later, two years later, they eventually realize that it was just a difficult time in their life. And with my help, they were able to get through it. And I was just drawn to it because of the helping people aspect part of it. And I think it's wonderful really concentrating on that message and you talk about that of whether it's six months, one year, two years later coming out stronger realizing that it was just a difficult time and that there is that light on the other side and for you, Linda, you you talked about that there is a rainbow at the end and how, how do we help women who don't see that. We just saw the devastating news of Kate Spade who took her own life and she was going through a a separation. And I'm sure that trauma also weighed on her. Um, It's often very difficult when someone's in the midst of a trauma to, to realize that there's not the permanence that that your life will not be this way permanently that it will get better how do how do you help a client who's struggling with that how do you give them hope i think my nursing background helps Mm. me a great deal there because through nursing school and beyond when i practiced i was very much involved in family intervention and giving people hope Right. That that's part. You know, I'm dealing with people with sometimes terminal terminal illness. Right. Mm-hmm. So, we're trying to make them feel there is there is hope, mm-hmm. despite what they're feeling at the moment. 
And when working with families, I usually use my own life examples. I've been around long enough to know that what one day could seem so devastating Mm -hmm. can turn within a matter of short time. And, you know, once people start to realize that there are other people in the same boat, there are are other people who've been through such difficult times, and yet now they're in stable field, it makes a difference. It's, it's, some people need honestly to sit with a therapist and talk it through, and some people just hearing other people's life stories and that they made it through mm-hmm. provides inspiration and hope for them. Yeah. And that's what we're very good at, the life stories, because we have them, right? And we share them, we're not afraid to share them. I'm not embarrassed to share them at all. They've, they've actually been a great learning experience for me and an evolution for me. And my I feel like my mandate almost is to help other people realize this is life. Mm-hmm. We get through and we make it better. And we can do that. We have the power within us to do that. And Brian, I love how you also talk about how People come out of this process almost often stronger than where they were before. Absolutely, and it's especially true with women. Um, I think one of the greatest difficulties in divorce is, quote, pulling the trigger and actually going to the attorney, hiring an attorney, and filing for divorce because yeah, it making is making that decision. Right, it's such a uh, dramatic change to your life. But when people realize that it's a positive, dramatic change for a ton of different reasons, whether it's abuse or whether you know the child is not thriving due to the animosity that's going on in the house between the parents, there are reasons that people should not be together. Mm-hmm. And when a person realizes that and finally goes and files for divorce and goes through this process, it's horrifying. But at the end, they look back and they say, wow, how can I even have hesitated filing for a divorce? This was the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. And and they, they really do rise like a phoenix. I've seen it before where people come in who have drinking problems or turn to um, uh, Xanax or whatever type of pills they're taking. And by the end, they, they're not slumped in their chair. They're sitting up straight and they're confident when they speak and they're ready to move on with their lives. So seeing that transition to me is just such an unbelievable thing to witness. Can I add to that too? You know, so many people stay in a marriage for the children, right? They're afraid. Exactly. And I, I actually- I'll wait I, till they go to college. Wait, That's they'll wait, yeah, right. Yeah. And I, actually my parents, my mother was a big, no, I can't get a divorce. What would happen to you kids? But what I learned through my own experience and watching a friend is that her daughter was anorexic in this watching this very dysfunctional relationship between her mother and her father. Mm-hmm. And when the mother finally made the move to get a divorce, she was able to free herself. Okay, and this is something people must remember. Staying in a bad relationship is not positive for the children. It's better especially for young girls to see strong mothers who are able to get out of it and go on to a better life because we have to understand that many times children, girls, will select a relationship based on what they've seen. 
And that's the only way to break a cycle like that. So the mother needs to be strong for the daughter and the children to be strong. And in many situations, the parents are better when they're not together. So it's beneficial for that child. Sometimes they're not doing well in school because they're witnessing so much hostility. And once that hostility is removed from the house, they begin to thrive. And that's mm -hmm. what you want for your children. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so true, it's so true. What, what would you say, what words of encouragement um, or just advice, women who come to you, they're sitting down with you for the first time and they don't know what to do. They don't know if they want a divorce. They, they don't know how they need to prepare and all those different what, what would you what do you say to those women who come in that it might be for a whole host of reasons it could be that she found that there's infidelity whether it's financial or with another you know partner um person it could be a whole host of reasons but what would you say to her to think about well the first thing i do is ha sit down and say well what's the good what are the good parts of the relationship? What do you find positive for you? What helps you become a better person and grow? Interesting. That's not what I expected you to say. And if they so they may be able to identify something. And yeah. then we look at the negatives. Yeah. And then you have something very concrete, right? You have a positive side and a negative side. And I'll say, well, this is good, the positive side. Can you continue to live with this, all this negative, and still become who you should become as mm -hmm. a person? Mm -hmm. And that helps the balance. It's all about balance, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing both sides of a situation. We're constantly, as human beings, in conflict, right? We're looking like, did I do the right thing? Is this the right thing? Am I raising my kids properly? And sometimes just seeing it laid out for you helps in terms of now. Sometimes it doesn't, mm -hmm. and they need more types of encouragement. And I do, you know, often I'll recommend, you know, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a licensed therapist, I have a nursing background, but if things really need to be sorted through, I will recommend that they see someone to help them through this, or go for counseling, mm -hmm. if they think it's salvageable, and they, or they want it to be salvageable. And if that fails, they come back, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brian, we were talking a little bit before we, we went on air, um, and we were you know, talking about what the most important messages are, and you talked, you talked about women becoming more involved with the finances. Can you, can you talk a little bit about why that's so important, and if there's a difference that you've seen working with some women going through divorce who are on top of everything and that have been very involved during their marriage with regards to money and those that, that have not been involved and if there's a difference either in outcome or cost or you know what what is the difference between those two groups of people? Well usually and not as much anymore but typically the, the wife is not as um, involved in the financial aspect of the marriage. And that's something Linda was kind of touching on. When they come in to see us, one of the things that they're so afraid of is uncovering what's going on because it's a lot of work. Mm 
And sometimes they're surprised because they don't realize that their husband racked up a huge debt um, because he's a gambler or because he spends all his money on alcohol or, um, or took out a mortgage without them knowing or some type of loan. So it is very scary for them um, and sometimes very shocking. So it's very important for them to be as involved in the finances. Um, another thing we were discussing before was working women and non-working women. Sometimes the husband just says, here's our tax return, honey, please sign. And they do. And I think a lot of people are at fault, whether no matter who they are. Um, but that's not the wisest thing to do. Because eventually, when you do get into litigation, no matter what happened, a judge is going to look at you and say, you know what, you were married to this person. You should have known what was going on. His debts or his fraud is your debts or your fraud. And that presents a huge problem. And the more involved women are, the more confident they will be throughout the divorce process. And quite frankly, it'll be easier for them because they won't have all these surprises. Mm -hmm. We've seen it a lot of times um, with debts that we had a case recently where the husband left the marital residence and the wife received a notice from Chase for a $250,000 lien against them. And she had no idea this was going on. And she, she did okay, uh, she was an attorney so he but wasn't she, paying the mortgage. He was not paying. Oh my gosh. Um, for however long to accrue $250,000. But she was completely surprised. And when we sought money from him, he made over a million dollars a year. He had no money and he owed the IRS $700,000. And she had no idea. So it, it's, I mean, that's an extreme case, but just being aware will take the shock out of it. And the shock to some of these women is so devastating, they don't know what to do. And that's, it's all about overcoming that fear. And if you're involved in the finances, then you won't have that fear. Mm -hmm. Another interesting story on this, uh, we're representing a woman who's now in her 70s, married to a very famous a person who's older than her, approximately 20 years older. They divorced several years ago and he had alimony payments to make. And at a certain point in time, given his age and his needs and the decreasing income, he stopped paying her. She had no um, occupation and now she's 70. And she had to go on food stamps and we're trying to help her get back on track and there's a sale of an apartment involved so hopefully that will do so but one of the things she said to me because i've said to her you should write a book about your life here because it's a lesson for women mm -hmm. they lived in a very upscale area in westchester she said and i had a neighbor who was married to a very wealthy man and we'd meet for lunch we were social and she said to me one time you know I get a house allowance and I take a portion of that and I put it in a secret bank account for myself in the event something happens and our client said she looked at her and thought this was appalling and unethical right and I said how do you feel today 
And she said, I feel like I made a big mistake because I don't have $3 in my purse. I'm living on a social security check and um, that's it. And food stamps. So that's what we mean by awareness, right? And she said to me, you know, my husband didn't even write our own checks because they have people that do that. Managers. Managers that pay their own bills. So she said, I never even knew what the expenses were. So I said, you have a good story to tell here. And if you will come out of this with something for you, but you should consider sharing this information, how this will only help women to realize because life changes, right? And she had to leave New York City. She had to leave New York City. She had to leave her beautiful home in Westchester. Left her friends. Right, left her friends. Community. So women need to have money of their own. They need to have money in an account in their own name. And far too often, and I I can imagine you have a few stories yourself, money that's in a joint account, there doesn't have to be any permission granted by the wife if her husband decides to drain the whole account. That's true. We have a meeting right today with a situation that that occurred and he drained the account to go buy a house with his new girlfriend. Mm. And so now she's sitting, um, taking care of their son and there's nothing in the joint account. There's only retirement accounts left. And they're both under age 59 and a half. Mm. So that means there would be a, a penalty um, for them to, to access that as well as taxes do. Um, now they can get at some of that money if uh, you know the money from the 401k during the process of the transfer uh, subject to the divorce agreement, you can at least get the money out without a penalty, but we're nowhere near that. And so she's in a situation with no and money, no money and no access and no money in her name solely that's available for her and of and of not a wealthy family to fall back on either right and that goes back to what we were saying about awareness because we're not promoting uh you know hiding money but we're saying that even if this woman is entitled to money used to purchase this second house for the girlfriend there's going to be legal fees motion practice a judge may not make a decision for a year. So just to gear up for that is going to be so costly. But if she had, I'm not blaming her, I don't know what their situation was, but it's just financial awareness is such a key component. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we're promoting divorce either. We're just saying that while you are married, you should know what is going on. Yeah, it's very smart. What are the other things that you say you might see pitfalls or mistakes or, or messages that you would want to make sure that our listeners um, know about to protect themselves? Pitfalls. Good question. Good question. I mean, the big, the big one is the financial, yeah. right? That's what most people get into trouble with. 
the tax returns. Right. I was, you know, when we were talking about tax returns, I said, you know, it's funny. My husband hands me the tax return too when I sign it, <laughs> right? So I'm a little much more cognizant in many of what we have, but I do just sign that tax return for, form. You should look at it, review yeah. it, yeah. right? I, I, I do. I love tax returns. I know it's very nerdy. <laughs> very few people do. Yeah, you know. and so I pick apart, and you know, and then I, of course, question my my CPA, which you know I'm probably his most hated client. But um, I, I, I think a lot of women, in the back of their mind, tell themselves, "Well, I didn't know what was going on." so I'm not going to be held liable. But in a, the innocent spouse rule um, is not upheld very often. It's it's very rare if you talk to Correct. an accountant, um, he or she will tell you that it's the exception where they can actually in, in, you know, have the innocent spouse rule take effect. And it's very difficult to to do that. and. We've, we've seen that as well, where tax bills that our clients didn't know about, hundreds of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. um, through this process realizing, and you mentioned that too, Brian, and they're liable. Mm -hmm. They're liable. Right. We've seen it so many times, and the innocent spouse rule, while it should apply in a lot of cases that I've had, it, it just doesn't because... If that was the case, then every single spouse would claim they didn't know. Yeah, and exactly. And the courts would just be bombarded. And how do you handle that? Yeah. And how do you prove that? And it's just, it's it's so much. That being said, I agree that I've had a lot of clients who have no idea what's going on. But that goes back to the awareness. Yeah, factor. exactly. Exactly. And and pay those bills, right? Yeah. right? Get involved in paying your bills, your household right. bills. Usually there's one person that takes charge of that, right? Yeah. And the other person's in the dark. And sometimes it's a lot of the times it's a woman who's mm -hmm. not yeah. writing the yeah. checks. But you should be. You have to do that. It you also affects the outcome of the case because if women are unaware or if the wife is unaware of what the bills are going to be, and is expecting a certain amount of support that she thinks that she's entitled to, to cover those bills, she begins to have unrealistic expectations. Because unfortunately, your life is going to change financially, and you may not be able to cover those bills. But sometimes people think, oh, my bills are only $2,500 a month, and it turns out they're $12,000 a month. And then it makes it more difficult to resolve these issues because they want far more support and the husband can't afford it. So if you really know your financial picture and know what you can afford, it makes the process much easier yeah. too. So I'm gonna ask a question that I've been asked so many times. Going and filling out that statement of net worth with all of your budgets, all of your numbers, do you put the new budget that you know you're going to have to live to, that reduced budget, do you put what you're spending now or do you inflate it here and there? What do you do? I get that question all the time. That's a very good question. I feel like it's, 
It's a tough one to answer. It is a tough one, but there is going to be a deposition and you are going to be questioned about these finances and it's sworn testimony. And there, a lot of them are going to be backed up by credit card statements or mortgage bills or credit card bills. So my legal advice is to never inflate and to be honest as possible. But in my experience, everybody inflates because again, they're not aware and they're afraid that they're not going to have the money. Yeah. And especially now with all the new maintenance laws, um, on a 30 year marriage, you may only get maintenance for six or seven years. And just a few years ago, if you were married for 30 years, you could have maintenance the rest of your life. That's why they changed it from alimony to maintenance. It's just to maintain you for a certain amount of time. Yeah. So people definitely inflate their numbers because they, they need more. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were to advise your client who says, all right, I know that I might be deposed and I'm going to have to back up my expenses. Do I stop going on vacation? Do I stop getting myself jewelry if I've always gotten myself jewelry as part of my normal lifestyle? Um, what do you say there? Because that's the other question that I'm sure you've been asked as well. Um, do I start to live my life the way that I know I'm going to need to reduce it to post-divorce? Well, we always tell clients that they need to live their life. They need to continue to live their life. However, if, if someone is going to complain about money, and purchase a $5,000 bracelet or go on a $15,000 vacation, how is that going to play out in the divorce? Those types of things are luxuries, which you definitely do have to scale back on during the pendency. If, if you're complaining about money and you're eating at all the fancy restaurants in the city, then you're not really complaining about money or you have nothing to really complain about. Um, you kind of need to paint an image that you do need the money. So hold off on buying that bracelet. Um, you know, it's, it's not misrepresentation. It, it, you have a real need and you are changing your lifestyle so dramatically. But for that period of time while the divorce is going on, it should be changed. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing is try to maintain as much of your lifestyle as you can, but understand that your expenses are going to have to go down and I know in our research that we did the vast majority of women said that their lifestyle went down so did the the husband sure so it's it's both um but I'm also really hearing from you is don't go the opposite way don't start buying furs if you've never bought furs um I was talking to a, a forensic accountant and she was hired by the husband and right after the uh, all the documents, all the other papers were filed to start the, the divorce, the motion was um, put in place, she went out and bought three cars. Mm. One was this Hummer SUV. Um, another one was uh, a sports car. I think it might have been a Lamborghini. It was the one with the funny <laughs> the, the funny doors that go That's that it, goes yeah. up. Um, and then an, another one, I, and I can't even remember because at that point they had kind of lost me. Um, and what ended up happening is that 
he was able to prove that this was not part of their normal lifestyle. And they clawed that back into sure. the marital pot as a dissipation of assets. And sure. that, that, no, that is not true. Um, and so it, it sounds like you need to be smart. You know, keep that lifestyle as much as you can. Make sure you, it, it is in keeping, but also, also make sure that, you know, you're, you're not, finding yourself um, with additional debt and, and, you know, burying yourself a hole um, just to try and get back at your spouse. And that's something that we strive for. Um, getting through this process as efficiently as possible because it is an expensive process. And our goal here is not to rack up a bill. Our goal here is to resolve issues. If we need to litigate, we litigate. But nobody wants to go to court Nobody wants to have a trial. They're very expensive. So that's that's how we guide our clients through it is cost yeah. effectiveness um, because they want to go back to that lifestyle and buy everything that they were buying before. So, you know, we get them in and we will fight for them as much as we need to. But we really consider the cost. And I think that's something that sets us apart. Definitely. But that what you were your example to me is that stockpiling syndrome. Right, because here you are looking at, wow, my life is going to change. So let me get everything I need now, right? And maybe, you know, I'll have what I need in the future, right? Mm-hmm. So the people start buying, or the wife goes out and buys things like, well, I'll probably not be able to get that bracelet when I'm so let me get, get it, it now. now. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. And I love that you have a term for that. There's <laughs> Stock, a term for everything. Stockpiling syndrome. Stockpiling syndrome. And when when you're working with someone, Linda, um, what do you find are the expenses that are most often questioned? I assume it's not the electricity bill, no. right? It's not the electricity bill. Um, what are some of those expenses that you know, are the ones that often go under the microscope. Right, the credit cards, a lot of the... The credit cards and I imagine vacations. Clothing, clothing, right, clothing. Right. Jewelry. Jewelry. You know, the, the obvious, the luxury, yeah, right? Yeah. High-end clothing. Mm-hmm. I remember one client uh, used to shop at this big designer, big. And uh, when they were going through a divorce, she continued right mm-hmm. and she would she had a credit card bill of at least $25,000 a month her american express bill mostly clothing who could sympathize with that <laughs> are there enough days in the year to to wear all the clothes yeah um, it it's yeah yeah and it's interesting too because shopping is one of those those uh, identified activities that um, often makes us feel better about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, not long term, but but in the no, short, short term. term. Yeah, and it's a quick fix. It's a quick fix. Yes, yeah, quick it's, fix. It's kind of like you know, I my favorite ice cream in the world is coffee Heath Bar Crunch by Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> nice. It's not just the Heath Bar <laughs> or the coffee; they actually put them together. Right. Um, it's not not so easy to find. But when I'm having that ice cream, you're in the moment, right? <laughs> I am so happy. I am so happy. Um, have you seen that with some of your clients who are going through, you know, going through this trauma that um, are are spending money 
because it's making them feel so bad and they're trying to feel, you know, cover that hurt and you know, absolutely, fill up that hole. you know, with any crisis, right? We're looking for that reprieve, that short amount of, even if it's for a day, a half a day, right? Yeah. Of feeling better. It's natural. It's, it's a natural human response to crisis. So yeah, all the time, yeah. all the time. And it's just talking them through, right? Mm-hmm. You know, not a good idea. You know, control this. You know, it's hard. You're feeling depressed. It's part of depression, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a depress- It's a pre- depressing time yeah. for people. And letting them know that, hey, this actually doesn't look good for you. No. It, not it at doesn't all. doesn't support your story. That you can't control what you're spending, and right. that you're, you know, you may be responsible financially, but the way that you're behaving now is is not giving that message. Right. Absolutely. Wow. So we have gone through so much. Any last pieces? I know the unfortunate thing about this is that time just flies. Is there anything you want to make sure that we talk about a little bit more today before we we wrap up? And I also would love for our listeners to know how to, to contact you as well. I think just to summarize, Everything we've said today is something we strongly believe in, all right? We believe in helping people. Now, the one example I gave you of a situation with a woman who is on food stamps is something, is a situation where she didn't have money to provide a retainer to us. Now, her, according to their agreement, her ex-husband is responsible for our fees, so we will, I will help her. And at a point in time when the marital, the it's not marital property, his property is sold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will, we will look to collect her fee. But I could not, I could not have this woman living on food stamps and a social security check, and not being able to pay her bills. Right at, at this point in life, when you think about it, right, all her life she lived a pretty comfortable life. But naive, you know, I won't call it, it's not stupid, it's not ignorant, it's just purely being naive about what can happen in a relationship, how people change, Mm -hmm. right, that you could be left alone in, as a woman in your mid-50s with no knowledge of how to take care of yourself. So I'm very empathetic to that because it's also a different generation when you Mm -hmm. think about it. Now, women are a little, yes, she's 70. Where does she go? She can't go out to work. No, no, yeah, no. I I really commend you, and and I I don't know many attorneys that would that would work that way. There are a it's lot of firms easy. Yeah. that um, just just won't work with a lesser money spouse if they can't provide that retainer, whatever it might be. So that really does show um, Linda and Brian that. There's that caring. That's and and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you how you came to this and just hearing you talk about it. Um, you were smiling, right? And you really can tell that you that you care. Well, you know, through my life, I've learned that the things that make me happiest in career and otherwise is when I've really made a positive difference and I'm helping someone. You know, it, yeah. through nursing, through yeah. the law practice. All helping professionals. Uh, right. right, yes, helping professionals. So sometimes people can't fully afford 
to be where we'd like them to be, but there are ways to make it happen, right? And we're happy we can do that. So talking about that, how do people contact you, Brian? What, can you share your website uh, for, sure. for the two of you? Um, our website is dcsf.com, Decorado Cohen, Sheehan, and Federico. Um, they can also call us at 212-742-8700, or they can email me directly or Linda directly at Goldstein or Decorado at dcsf.com. And remember DCSF, Divorce, Custody, Support, and Family Law. DCSF. That is fantastic. So what would you do? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. So I'm going, and, and those are the- We need more letters. I know, those are the uh, letters of, of the partners. Correct. That was brilliant. You guys chose the exact right partners. Right, they're Thank right, right, right. Thank goodness, if anyone joins, you're gonna have to make sure that it goes along with it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, or else they're gonna have to change their last name. But we'll also put in the show notes just uh, that information, too, so it's quick and easy with um, emails as well as the website. And thank you for being here. Oh, it was a pleasure. It was just really wonderful. And I'm really, I'm so appreciative that you uh, let me ask you those difficult questions about the spending and what you should do and shouldn't do, should you be putting money aside. Um, That is, it's almost... I feel some of the most controversial part of of uh, the divorce process, and I, I just so appreciate your your feedback because we've never had that feedback before. Um, we've never, I guess, I've never had the courage to ask that question. So I know all the women listening to it are saying, "Yes, she finally asked." Good. So thank you so much, and thank you to our listeners. Uh, financially, ever after we come to you every other week. So if you do have any questions about your financial situation or would possibly like a second opinion, a second opinion about where you are today, where you want to go, what are the things you need to think about going into the divorce process? If you're not sure how you're invested, come to us as well. And we're going to do an x-ray analysis on that portfolio to show you exactly how you're invested, what looks good and maybe what might need to be tweaked. So please go to our website and you'll see right there on the home page about the free second opinion analysis. And what is that website? Well, it's easy. Um, I wasn't so creative when I named the firm. It's my last name, <laughs> www.francisfinancial.com. We'd love to hear from you. And again, thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself. Thank you for, for joining us with Financially Ever After.